Hello and welcome to the Unmissables podcast. I am Boyd Hilton at Heat Magazine. I work with a lady called Kay Ribeiro and she's sitting next to me right now. Hi. And we don't work with a lovely man called John, who is our podcast guru, teacher, producer, editor. Friend. You always forget friend. friend. But he does work in the building downstairs. Hi, John. Yeah, I work in the... Uh, I, was, I, was think, I was trying to think of a funny place I could work in the an basement. office. That's the basement. That's where we keep him. You are in the basement. Mostly editing this podcast. Yeah. And we, he's usually Silent John. That's his name. We call him Silent John. Well. But he made a guest appearance last week because Steph Gone was off. Yeah. <laughs> And now he's demanded space. He's demanded a seat at the table and he's no, got it. It's not quite strictly true. We begged him to join, rejoin us because Steph's still absent for the first part, at least, of this podcast. But she will be joining us later in a magical transformation of podcast voices. It's just how she rolls. Yeah. So The Unmissables is our weekly trawl through the world of popular culture slash mostly TV with a bit of film. <laughs> There's quite a lot of film this week, actually, in terms of me yeah, droning on about Thor Ragnarok. And another film, mystery film that I'm going to talk about as well, Kay. I haven't Ooh. told you about that. Yeah. No, you haven't. I've got another film in my arsenal that I wish Ooh. to discuss. <laughs> Sounds uncomfortable. Yes. And then in the main body of the podcast, where we do proper reviews and stuff, we're going to be looking at Blue Planet yes. 2. Yes. Woohoo! Seven, think, years, maybe longer after the original Blue Planet. Here is the very welcome sequel with Sir David Attenborough holding forth about things in oceans. Should be a lord. David Attenborough, yeah. 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 Not probably will I mean, be, I'm sure, any minute too. now. Any minute will be a lord. Living the Dream is a new comedy drama about a family moving from Britain to Florida. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be on Sky One and Now TV from next Thursday. We're going to review that as well, aren't we, Kay? Yes, we are. And I am saying possibly the most highly anticipated bit of content of the year, Stranger Things 2. Never seen it. Well, that's why we're giving you a chance to shift out of the scene <laughs> yeah. and let Steph come in who has seen it later on we'll be talking about Stranger Things I'm going to be banished too. from the room yeah I just don't think a Stranger Things virgin should be allowed to even witness That's the so discussion out of order. Know, we I'm should sorry. explain actually it's that you, no one could see it really um, in time for our deadline so Steph's going to watch it and then I'm on holiday, so she is yeah. going to take that battle. Yes, me, me and Steph are going to watch it in yeah. full. It's available now. It's on my screen now, ready. As soon as I finish this podcast, I'm going to run to my desk, John, and crank up the Netflix thing that I've got, the special preview service, and I'm going to watch all nine episodes of Bloody Stranger Things 2. What do you think of that? Amazing. But to the listener, not a second will have passed no, I know. in the time when you watch all nine <laughs> yeah. episodes. It's God, a weird time. You know, it's a timey-wimey thing. That's what Stephen yeah. Moffat used to call the Doctor Who when Doctor Who did a strange time jump. That's what it is. Yeah, we're playing around with time. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. What have we been all enjoying, watching, reading, listening to this week? Kay Ribeiro. Where okay. would you like to start? I would first of all like to start with the final episode of Liar. Now, mm. did either of you watch it? Yes, I did. John? I'm afraid not. Okay, Have you watched well, any of Liar, John? No, I haven't. And you guys gave an excellent review. And I, it was it's, it's on my meaning to watch list. Are you one of those people who doesn't watch ITV? Like a lot of, you know, like no, kind didn't of... No, because then you watch Time Wasters. Isn't that ITV? No, it's ITV2. ITV2. Oh. ITV yeah, ITV's the mainstream channel. No, he's a big coronation I, I am worried. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am worried I am a bit of an ITV snob. Yeah, there are loads. totally my fault. There are a lot of them about. I roll. But we, we, we watch ITV, K. Yeah, Liar. It was, it was the Williams Brothers um, other show... Uh, there wasn't Relic. There wasn't Relic on BBC One. Yeah, and the finale, what did you think? I'm semi-content with the ending. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to go on the poster. <laughs> semi-content. No, because it wasn't like Dr. Foster, which I was a bit disappointed with, which we disagree on, I know. Yeah. But for me, Dr. Foster was so kind of like high octane, a bit like some of the things she did was so kind of out there and outlandish. I expected that kind of finale and it wasn't. It was quite muted in comparison to yeah. the... the the bulk of it so that's why I think I was disappointed with Dr Foster's ending however this one I thought was completely in keeping with the tone of the show and I I really and it was you know there was some things that Laura did were slightly unrealistic but on the whole I thought it was believable and I was really happy at the reappearance of Ian so he's played by Kieran Bew who she met um, in the hotel and she struck up a friendship she was a bit reticent at first but yeah a flirtation yeah and so I'm happy about his reappearance I'm not giving away anything no we're not giving Um, away the ending no we're not right okay but what I would say is it's still on ITV player obviously yeah and I would never I you know I hate people who spoil stuff but my main gripe about it is that obviously as we know Andrew Erlim is a total nasty bastard but so I kind of like I wanted to see his moment of reckoning and you know I don't feel I got that kind of satisfaction and I also feel like the finale 
was teeing up for another series, which I hate. More and more writers are doing that, and I don't like it. So, you know, when I was watching that Spanish foreign drama? Spanish um, I know who you are, Seiki Oh, Nettis, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they yeah. did the same thing. You're really testing my knowledge powers of remembrance there. I like there. to think you listen to what the hell I'm saying. Oh, God, God, t- testing knowledge of remembrance of a Spanish <laughs> drama in the BBC <laughs> floor. BBC Floor, BBC Four, Saturday Night Well, start. it was BBC Floored because yeah. Yeah, the ending wasn't... So this is hard. So you're saying, so you're trying to describe your, your main um, issue with mm. the ending of this programme that we try not to spoil. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying, we know because Series 2 has been announced, obviously, because yeah. it was announced straight afterwards. Yes. And we, we can't really explain how the, what they're going to do in Series 2 because that's a spoiler in yeah. itself. Yeah, it's hard. I agree. I, I, thought, I thought the ending was good. So it was good, but it was just like, I wanted, you know, like, for I wanted to see You wanted to see fully. the thing that you can't see because series two is gonna deal with that. Yes. I wanted to see I wanted no, I wanted a mo John's I wanted to see the smug John's face wiped off his off his face. The right. smug's look. Well you're giving away the smug face isn't wiped off his face. Would oh. you rather a TV oh, show? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, would you rather that the T V show didn't set up for a second series and then just did it anyway? I would mm. So cause some people would have uh, Put that against Dr. Foster is the whole thing was it didn't feel like it mm. there was any yeah. idea that you'd have a second series I mean, don't mind that there's going to be another series I think we've just been building for a moment that didn't quite come for me well, well all I would say is that you know every every drama series known, known to, to humanity effectively you know when it ends I mean you can type all the loose ends and obviously the world still carries on and the car- unless everyone dies which is what I kept saying about Dr. Foster while well, trying not to spoil it N- not everyone dies so it could carry on for a third series right now, even though it probably won't. Whereas with this, again, not everyone dies. <laughs> so there is going to be a second series. But actually, you know, what happens in the end is still a pretty firm ending. Is Again, I'm trying not to spoil things. So, yeah, I thought that was quite clever, actually. That, that, here's what I'm trying to say. That could have been an ending without a second series, I think. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, look, you know, I'm That's a vigilante. You know, I'm a vigilante. Oh, boy's getting so Just smash my phone. <laughs> um, I'm a vigilante. I like justice. You are a vigilante. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like many of the people in Liar. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, so, no spoilers. Um, yeah. And what else? Also, the last post. So we have reviewed that oh, before. Yeah. Now, John, that was the one that was uh, set in the army barracks and it was like focused on the kind of the wives of the officers as much as what was going on in the battlefield, which I quite liked. And it's so good. So I've watched three episodes now. Um, and I'd urge anyone who hasn't seen it, it's on Sunday nights, BBC One, to watch it. Because do you know who I particularly like? Um, Jessica Rain. I think she's yeah. completely mesmerising as this. Um, she plays Alison Lathwaite, who is kind of like, on the face of it, it's just this drunken you know, wife who can't control herself, quite debauched. But actually, she's just really disappointed in yeah. life and her lot and it's actually quite sad to see um, and she's got this she struck up this friendship with um, Jessica Buckley's character um, and it, it's just really moving to watch and the episode three was action-packed there was a kidnapping oh. it was all going on it was Christmas day loads of stuff was happening yeah it wasn't all like fun and jollity <laughs> that you'd usually have an fun and jollity yeah it no jollity no yeah. fun and jollity <laughs> no jollity some Christmas jollity yeah okay yeah I'm excited yeah um, and other than that just been catching up on series two of Curb you'll be happy to know yeah so Kay in a, in a, <laughs> we have a tradition dear listener that yeah. Kay suddenly decides to watch something that everyone else has been watching for about a decade so do you remember The West Wing John probably possibly the greatest drama series on TV I mean some would say correct yeah it's only up there <laughs> and anyway after, after, after it finished um, you know seven however many seasons there were of it hundreds of episodes Kay suddenly walked into the kitchen one day at heat and said to her, oh, I'm going to start watching The West Wing and it, was, it became a running joke that she watches everything about yeah. ten years too late and now Kirby Enthusiasms are on what season nine I think <laughs> now uh, which we're, some of us are watching live very excitedly every Monday on Sky yeah. Atlantic slash Now TV you're on series two yeah, and listen, I think there's some people listening, the people on the ground, the Pogs, our, yeah. our listeners, yeah. who probably are in the same boat. So I don't think we should uh, be pouring scorn on anyone. I'm not, no scorn is being poured. I'm just explaining the situation. Yeah, that is the situation. I'm I'm a, a late starter with some shows, but now that I'm in it, I obviously love it. And I recently watched The Shrimps Incident, which <laughs> for anyone who can cast their mind back who has seen it, is when ba- basically Larry um, pitches this idea to an HBO executive who he then feels has been stealing shrimp out of his Chinese <laughs> takeaway. And it is genius. Are you a Curb fan, John? I'm not. Oh and I was about yes. to say, but this is 
ignorance, not anti. You're right. There's a thing that happens with these amazing TV shows that once they get to a certain series, even if someone tells you it's brilliant, you think... You feel like you can't jump in. Oh, it's that's a late. lot to... Ca- I, that's yeah. a real commitment to catch up yeah. on that show. So yeah. I've had that with most of the great TV shows. <laughs> so See? You're Breaking Bad, you're... Uh, John's in So you've never watched boat. Breaking Bad? No, you're Game of Thrones. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that. You're a holdout. You're holding out. Yeah, Again, maybe one day I'll... Yeah, just have a weekend the where wire? I don't do anything. Yep, The Wire? You've watched The Wire? Nope. No, you haven't watched The Wire? <laughs> the Wire's another one. I was the surprised. Knows. It's in the list. <laughs> the West Wing. I don't think I've ever seen television. <laughs> John, just to be fair, John listens to a lot of podcasts. That's true. You are Mr. Podcast. I don't have a TV. No, I, I, I do. Oh, you're he's not got, one of those. I no, don't no, know. He's I do. got a cardboard box with a picture on the yeah, bottom of the TV. Oh, okay, fine. I draw podcasts. You know what? I'm jealous of both of you because I feel like you've got, I mean, you've got nine seasons of Curb to go. They're all on Sky Atlantic Now TV box sets, by the way. Uh, or what, that's you know, buy them on. on physical boxes and Sky they just yeah. let it roll on that's, yeah. that's the problem so you've got that unbelievable pleasure I have to wait every week on Monday for the effing no. new episode of so Curve. who's laughing can now can I just say and, and also let me just say as a fan of Larry David and Kobe Enthusiasm he co-created Seinfeld and Seinfeld the greatest sitcom of all time is there for you nine seasons of that for you to watch effectively yeah I, ha- I haven't watched that either, so. you've got, no what I'm saying is you've got all that to watch yeah. as well the greatest you've got that to discover so and that's all on Amazon Prime. I Don't think. be jealous, people. I'm jealous. Yeah. What I, have you, but like, what have you been watching? I mean, presumably you've watched like everything that's old, new, and probably in the future. Have I watched everything that's old, new, and probably in the future? Yeah. Um, future. Yeah. I, I, future I've watched every, every future thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't watched everything, Kay. But you know, I've watched a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's my job. Mm. You know, it's I've literally been a literally been a TV reviewer. Most of my adult life. So to be fair, it is, it is my main task is to sit there watching stuff on TV. So I make no bones about that. Yes, I've watched loads of shit. But this week, I'm talking mainly about films, actually. I want quick, I'm going to quickly mention that I've watched the whole of Mindhunter. So we reviewed that. Was that last week or the week before? Week, week before, yeah. The um, David Fincher. David Fincher directed four of them. Um, it's the thing about the based on the true story of the two investigators who are psychologically profiling serial killers. They make real serial killers, uh, played by actors, but they're based on real serial killers in history. And they interview them, and it is an incredible achievement. Like the t- I've watched all ten episodes, and I'm so obsessed with it. And what the main what the main thing you realize you kind of only read it's one of those series where you don't really realize what it's about until you finished it. And kind of what it's about is Jonathan Groff, this who brilliantly cast as this normal, likable. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed, all-American guy, every man, and starts off being quite naive and kind of stilted in a way. Mm. By the end of it, he's become a kind of a monster. No! Yeah. and what? it's Yeah. Spoiler oh, my God, so I just watched... Spoiler. Yeah, that's I mean, a massive no, spoiler. No, it's the theme of the thing, you know, it's the whole... In what way? What, does he get all killing? No, no, sorry. He's not literally killing people yet. Oh. No, it's more... Yeah, or he's even... A, he's I don't a, think, demi, he's he won't. a semi-monster. A monster more in terms of his ego... And oh, his fine. personality and his drive to speak to these psychopaths. And he becomes a bit psychopathic. Like he becomes a bit, he loses empathy with people around him, his girlfriend, oh his, his colleagues, and he becomes fixated on this serial killing thing going on. It's really interesting. There's a brilliant subplot about a man, a teacher, a headmaster in a school that he stumbles upon who tickles children's feet. What? That's what the, yeah, and there's an inver- incredibly interesting. It's a, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's you feel uncomfortable. Queasy. Well, yeah. yeah, it's all about what do you do with that information? Does that mean you know it's he's? Does he, he ask them before he does it? Yeah, it's it's a very interesting so he, so thing. He, so he gets permission and he then gets, he tickles yeah, the kids. Yeah, feet. it's very it's a fast. It's a brilliantly. He's literally a kiddie fiddler. Right, indeed, but you know, and, and what? But does that mean that he goes further and does you know unspeakable things, or is yeah. he just stay at that? And that's a there's a brilliant kind of moral dilemma going on. With Jonathan Groff's character about that case, oh it's God. it's so interesting. It's so cleverly done. And anyway, I only meant to mention that in about ten seconds. I've gone on about that for about fucking two minutes. Apologies. <laughs> um, so I've gone on about Mindhunter way too long already because I've got some films to mention. Go on, shoot. The big one is Thor Ragnarok. Before, so let me quickly say before that, Call Me by Your Name, which is out next Friday, is this fantastic one of the best films of the year. It is a gay romance between a guy in his kind of mid twenties, played by Army Hammer. Who was in the social network? Remember the social network? He yeah. played the twins. Yeah, yeah. The Winklevi, I think they he were was called, good. weren't they? Yeah, he was brilliant. And he is kind of visits this professor in Italy in 1983, played by Michael Stuhlberg, and his son, his young son, um, I think is 18, 17, 18, something like that. But he's mm. a teenager. He's a, he's a, he, uh, and he, and they fall in love, and that's the whole thing. It's mm. kind of like, is it or isn't it forbidden love? And but it's just a brilliantly judged 
fantastically made and uh, brilliantly acted film. And Timothy Timothy Chalamet, who is Ooh. the who play who's French, who plays the the teenager, is going to be a huge star. And um, Army Hammer has never never been better. And there's this brilliant scene at, towards the end, quite close to the end, where the father talks to the son about stuff, and it's one of the great scenes of the year. Kay. Really? Yeah, it's so brilliant. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah. How many stars are we? Call me by it? your name. We're giving it five stars, Kay. It opens in cinemas on Friday, and as does the big film of the week is Thor Ragnarok. Can you say the second word slowly? Or Ragnarok. Ragnarok. What does, Ragnarok. That, what does that mean? It's a Norse thing. It's a Norse, Norse event. Thing. Okay. It's the apocalypse. It's the apocalypse, it? kind oh. of. Yeah. Look it's at like, John up with his Norse knowledge. Yeah, I mean, and we're talking a- ancient Nordics as well, not current. You know, we're talking about you know some kind of weird Viking Nordic ancient apocalyptic mythology. Okay. Ragnarok. Okay. Yeah, okay. but it is a thing. It does exist. It's not just a word that's been invented by Marvel for their third. Thor film, as you might think. So it's all, and it's all about. If you, I know you're a huge fan of the superheroes, aren't you, Kay? <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, you don't give, you don't care. No, about I like Spider Man. As I say every bloody time you mention this. Yeah. Well, Thor and Hulk were, weren't in Captain America: Civil War much, which was the previous big kind of Avengersy gathering of superheroes film. But this is all about Thor and Hulk. He's got to battle his elder sister, Hela, played by Kate Blanchett, brilliantly, mm. who kind of whose transformation. You know, in superhero films, it's like oh, you know, superhero dons uh, his costume with the thing and the cape. And Batman has his the cape and thing and helmet and yeah. she flicks her hair back and turns it into this amazing kind of like horns thing going on black horns yes a sassy flip yeah. of the hair sassy hair flick we've all been there so she's brilliant Kate Kate Blanchett she's the main villain and then she's kind of there's like an associate kind of at least a moral figure played by Jeff Goldblum basically Jeff Goldblum playing himself being Jeff Goldblum in a film what more could you want dude. looking a bit like something out of Flash Gordon you remember the Flash Gordon film yeah. in the eighties it looks yeah, exactly yeah. like something out of that. And what happens is that Thor ends up on this planet and to escape and to try and go back to his home planet to save everyone from Cape Blanchett, he has to fight the Hulk who's been kidnapped and, and is like imprisoned there. And, he, and the Hulk is taking part in all these battles, like these kind of in arenas, fighting, basically killing anyone who, who, who dare to battle him. And they've got to fight each other in order to escape. It's a bit convoluted. Wait, wait, wait. You're looking at me like, you, like <sighs> what is this? Shit. Oh yeah, it's my like god, gladiators. what, like ITV's not gladiators? Like, not yeah. gladiators. Gladi- it's like Marvel's gladiators, yeah. Are they both the Hulk goodies? And Thor. They're both goodies, yeah. But the and Hulk, they're fighting each other. Well, the Hulk is obviously the big green, gigantic... I love Hulk. ...monster superhero mm. that Bruce Banner t- transforms into. Yeah. But what ha- what's happened is that he's ended up, slight spoiler alert, but not really, he's ended up being the Hulk for about two years since we last saw him and can't not he be the Hulk. He just can't shake it He's off. just constantly now in this state of anger and being the Hulk. Basically, he turns into Hulk when he gets angry. He's been and not Bruce Banner, London. lovely Bruce Banner, normal Bruce Banner, played by Mark Ruffalo. He's a lovely guy. I mean, mm. he's great. But when he turns into the Hulk, obviously, he's this... He's this hulking beast who can take on all comers yeah. that's the basic plot but it doesn't really matter the thing about it is it is like a huge big uh, Marvel superhero blockbuster movie played made, you know costing hundreds of millions of dollars but it's directed by this tight guy called Taika Waititi who is this maverick New Zealand <laughs> don't laugh his name Kay <laughs> unbelievable name. Taika Waititi deal with it <laughs> who is this, this new, new Zealand director who made this film Hunt for the Wilder People John's nodding Hunt for the Wilder People film. brilliant film Came out what, one or two years ago. Sam uh, Neil, sure. Sam Neil, going around in the wilds of New Zealand with this young boy who he adopted, and it's a brilliant kind of um, mismatched, isn't it, buddy film? Yeah, yeah. And he also did uh, what we do in the shadows. What we which do in the is, shadows. Uh, a vampire mockumentary yeah. with Jermaine from Flight of the Conqueror. Yeah, he's yeah. got a very um, quirky sense of humour. He, he, his main, you know, he he does he makes comedies, doesn't he? Right, interesting, very wry yeah. kind of. Out of left field If you're field being comedies. cynical, you'd say Sundance comedies. Oh, yeah, kind of indie, quirky okay. indie, yeah. And he's brought that sensibility, Kay, to this huge, massive blockbuster. It's unusual then, right? It's incredibly unusual. So I think it's a little bit like Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, is the kind of fairly comedic end, which you, which you, we did all review together, yeah. didn't we, I believe. Unless which I enjoyed. completely lost my mind, mm. which you enjoyed. So that was funny. That was pretty funny, wasn't yeah, yeah, it? Yeah. This is like even more out there and so like, de- is it a bit Deadpool-y? Yes, less rude. Deadpool was all about being rude okay. and and irreverent and and almost like reveling in the swearing. This is still a twelve A. This is still a family film, so like you know, kids, twelve year old kids can still will still love it and watch it. It's just that it's 
flat out funny. It's basically for me, it's like a comedy with action sequences and superheroes. Mm. It's it's and at one point I almost think, is this too? Is this being too comedic? Like, do I care at all about the characters anymore? Yeah. And I just about did. Like some, I mean, everyone who went to the huge big screening at the Edinburgh Square seemed to love it. And I, I just had the odd moment where I thought, oh my, this is almost too relentlessly funny. And it's still there could be no us, such thing. Yeah, book. but I, and then at the end I thought, no, we just got to go along with it. And it is it is incredibly entertaining. How fun. many stars? Um, we've given it four stars. It's like it's four and a half, five. It's a four and a half, five situation. Okay. Charles Gann, our official reviewer, gave it four. And I, I always go that. with what Charles says. So always go with what Charles says. It's a four says. for me then, probably. Exactly, yeah. And uh, yeah, that's. And the other thing I wanted to mention quickly is I'm on another podcast as well this week. Oh, yeah, what? the Evolution you of know, Horror podcast. You know, I hate when you cheat on us like this. I'm cheating on you. Um, so the Evolution of Horror podcast that, that my friend Mike Munzer does, it's a brilliant it's all about horror films okay so i know you're gonna love it because you love your <laughs> horror films you love your gore and your violence I love me some gore yeah i'm on that he has a guest every week and i'm this week's guest and i'm talking about my love for brian de palma who mm. makes really really disgustingly violent horrible nasty Ooh. films i'm glad yeah. you took it over there to that pod i don't want to hear it yeah exactly one. yeah so just mentioning yeah. that as well so oh. if you want yeah pod, so pod expert john yeah evolution of horror he'll know Mike Munster, do you yeah. rate it five stars oh and you obviously well, this no, one's four six. stars, and then yeah, this week five stars. Yeah, good. And talking of podcasts, we both started listening to your recommendation from last week, haven't yes, we? Yes, Dirty, Dirty John. John. I was going to say Dirty Dick. No, Dirty John. <laughs> That's a different thing. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. I really love it. It is incredible. I'm pleased that was a you good like recommendation. Yeah. Good. What about you, John? What, do you want anything you want to mention in, in passing in your uh, or even in full? Yesterday, I went to a screening of a film called Seventy Eight Fifty Two. Oh my god, I'm so what excited about this film. It is a documentary dedicated entirely to the shower sequence from the Hitchcock mm. film Psycho. <laughs> I'm just taking a moment because this is the film, one of the films I'm most excited about it's this year. Is, I, really? I, I, I can't brilliant. believe they screened it last night and I wasn't invited. Look, you're not, you're not as big a cheese as John. Silent John. This also people. ties in with the, the podcast because the, the, the horror, the evolution of horror is all about slasher films. Mm. And this is literally the, the ultimate slasher scene, the first ever slasher sequence probably in the history of film. Exactly, yeah. As written in a feature in Heat magazine that's coming out on Tuesday, actually, oh my God, you wrote yourself. Yeah, I wrote like... a, I've written a feature about my favourite horror films, so how about that, in Heat. I and know. it all wraps up because one of the talking heads in the documentary is Boyd's best friend, Guillermo del Toro. So... <laughs> oh <laughs> how is this happening? My mind is blown. I mean, yeah, me and Guillermo, yeah, he wants retweeting me, yeah. But I consider him to be my that's best, best friend. That's best friend. Who else is in it, John? Oh, gosh, uh, Eli Roth, the body double from the shower scene oh, itself. Wow. Uh, there's lots of, um, I've never seen it before. There's amazing footage from, I guess, you know, in those days, the way they promoted films was totally different. So one of the main ways they promoted it was this video of Hitchcock walking people around the set of the movie. <gasps> so we're so like, good. and here's the uh, painting. It's very important in the plot of the film. And it is because it's where the peephole's hidden, where he looks yeah, into yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it is brilliant watching that's these. amazing, by and the that's, man himself. And he's such a character, Hitchcock. It's amazing. And um, if you have any interest in that sequence from that film, you'll love it. Otherwise, maybe <laughs> it's, it's not for you. <laughs> oh, and it took a week, didn't it, to film that scene? Is that right? It I, did. I, I, and it, the I way mean, they think about that, a week to film a scene that on screen, what, it's a minute maybe? Yeah, maybe a minute and a half, 90 seconds, something like that. So yeah. the 7852, I can't remember exactly, but seven, I think oh, yes. 78 is the how many camera setups are in yeah. the sequence? 78. Maybe 52 is the seconds. It's one of, yeah, one of them is the number of ed, the cuts, uh, and one of them is the number of setups. Yeah, the, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, and then for years there was. I could go on about this all day. Sorry, now that John's brought it up. <laughs> He's open um, for, for, eight, for years there was the rumor was that Hitchcock didn't even direct it, and that it was directed by the guy who does the title sequence of mm. a lot of Hitchcock films, including Psycho. But then I think What's in the, the end, truth? I think that the presumably do they address that in the documentary? John? It's not that. Oh, bit okay. Oh, okay. In the end, it was like no, it was nonsense. The guy was a consultant. The, the title sequence man, whose yeah. name I've forgotten. But um, in the end, it was Hitchcock who totally directed that sequence. Yeah. What comes across in this film is Hitchcock knew how important this scene was and he almost treated that sequence as like an entirely separate film from the rest of the film right. in terms of the wow. storyboarding and I've never time. seen the film, it won't shock you, um, and it's made me want to now see both. Well, you should watch, cause I, I rewatched it recently, actually, mm. Psycho, funnily enough, cause partly because um, of, of the horror podcast that I was talking about that yeah. went on because it, it is part of that whole story of slasher films and it is and it and it's incredible how it holds up now I mean have you watched it recently yes so? I went oh. to a uh, orchestra live oh, one. one of them yeah. Oh, brilliant oh. yeah because the score is incredible Bernard Herman oh god actually I'm feeling a bit nervous just even talking about it I don't think I can watch it it'll be fine it'll be fine with the I lights on own, in the comfort of your own flat with the lights yeah. on you'll yeah, be, be fine listen I, I know I'm the one who's usually wrapping us up or got this reputation for doing it but I just have to talk about one more thing before we move on to the meat Okay. I'll allow it. Thank you. Right. So obviously, 
we like to give a shout out to oh, yeah, our super pogs, the people on the ground. You are beloved listeners. And I just wanted to talk about Laura Estelle 84, because not only did she give us a glowing review on iTunes, which, by the way, everyone can do. It's not exclusive to her. If anyone wants to do that, you can. She gave us a lovely five-star review. Um, but she wrote s- such nice things. She said, basically, she's on maternity leave at the moment, and she loves listening to us. And the and she the one thing, like, obviously, she loves looking after her little poglet. She didn't call it that. I'm calling it that. But one thing she's going to miss from being on maternity leave is having the time to catch up with all our suggestions and watch all the things we've been recommending. So that's nice. That's, that's a delight. So, Laura, we hail you as super pog this week that's what you are we love you we love you we love you Laura. and we've extended this podcast for an extra five minutes which you know is against the grain for me i should also mention then quickly since you've given me carte blanche to <laughs> do shout outs Go on then. Um, one of our great pogs uh, neil lark who is open season or open season aka neil lark on twitter who talks to us a lot well, so he talks to me a lot maybe he doesn't even talk to you no, he doesn't uh, all right neil. anyway he's <laughs> His daughter, Catherine, mm. sent me a uh, like an audio file of her own a film review. Yeah, oh my kind God, of that's so yeah, sweet. yeah. So because she wants to get into the whole thing, so I've got it. She sent it to the main heat email, everyone, and they forwarded it to me finally. Yeah. Finally, we found it. So yeah, it's it's, it's very good. And yeah, oh, shout out to Neil. Then. Yeah, yeah. I think Neil's hoping that Catherine will take over the podcast from all of us, but that's not going to happen yet. Not yet. We'll I mean, fight. not till that day that they yeah. just basically go, "Okay, listen, you don't watch any yeah. scary things. You've got to get out." Yeah. If you suddenly feel well, if, if you suddenly feel you've you've had enough of it, Kate, yeah, then we'll draft Catherine in. All right, Catherine. But thank you very much. That was brilliant. Let's move on then to the meat. Woo-hoo. And boy, oh. what meat! What juicy oceanic meat <laughs> we've got with Blue Planet Two with Sir David Attenborough. Kay. Should be Lord. I mean, I feel you are the the queen of natural history programming on TV. Yes, and also close friend of Sir David, yeah, having met him. I mean, we both interviewed him. Let's not. Well, but okay. did he? I mean, he confirmed to me that Rudolph flies. You talking about Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer? Yes. You interviewed him. At oh, there's Christmas only one time. Rudolph. I mean, well, yeah, well, well, people might be confused. Okay, fine. Uh, you interviewed him around Christmas time, didn't yeah. you? For a Christmas thing, I think. For the Christmas issue of he, yeah. and he, we were talking about obviously loads of animals, and I was like, look, I just want to clear something up, and he told me that he said, yeah, of course, Rudolph can fly. I, I interviewed him uh, at BAFTA in front of oh, people, God. and you know, bonded with him for a whole evening, effectively. But yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not. It's not a competition <laughs> for whose best friend David Attenborough is. Did he know where you worked? Where did he think yeah. you worked? Heat magazine. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, um, excuse me. For me, he missed because he's a little bit deaf. Like it's the truth. I'm it was about like, ninety-two. Yeah, it's fine. I'm not dissing him. He is just deaf though. And so when I was telling him I worked for Heat magazine, he kept saying Heath magazine, Heath. Say he thinks I work for Heath. We got excited at the idea of a, a magazine about Heath. Yeah, oh, I think we all are, aren't yeah, we? Black yeah. Heath, Hampstead yeah. Heath. Let's yeah. get on it. Now, the first thing I said to him was, Sir, Sir Lord David Attenborough, I work for Heath magazine. Not, it's not about Heaths. It's about <laughs> celebrities and TV and film. He was fine with it. Okay, anyway, win. tell us about Blue Planet 2K. Okay, so this is like the follow-up to Blue Planet 1, will come as no surprise. <laughs> and um, it's basically, because of the advances in um, marine science and cutting-edge technology, they made a follow-up. And it's exploring the oceans, the great oceans in the world, and revealing all that lurks beneath the surface. And it is just absolutely incredible. I mean, listen, I'm going to be saying the word incredible a lot. I apologise now, but if, let's face it, it's the only word to use for Sir David Attenborough and these kind of programmes, because... What he reveals and his team, because it is a massive team that works on this, and actually thousands of hours are spent just exploring everything just to make this hour-long documentary. And the animals underneath there, the creatures, you know, it's just amazing. They use slow-mo cameras that make waves and, like, you know, manta ray flying through the water. It makes it look like it's almost CGI because it's so magical looking it kind of looks like one of the old masters like a painting like um with turner painting is it's just beautiful to watch and also just obviously incredibly educational absolutely yeah it is incredible no so because planet earth 2 came out last year which was the sequel to planet earth mm. and that was one of the bbc's biggest ratings hits like for for you know for any kind of program for years and years and years i think it got like 12 30 million viewers on a sunday oh, like so the thirst for attenborough based Natural history really? programming, yeah, is enormous. I thought he would have done it like all his shows would be that big. Well, no, I think, but I think, I think he's done a, he's done quite a few shows. Recently. The one I interviewed him about at BAFTA was a Sky. He did a quite a few shows for Sky um, mm. a couple of years ago, where he, like three D ones about. Was it the museum? Yeah, he did the museum one. He did flying creatures ones. Um, he's done. He's, so he's done quite. You know, it's, he's done a few, and he's done a few programs that series where he's just narrating it clearly, and he's not there. You know, like. 
even introducing it. Whereas in this, I think you know, Blue Planet and um, Life on Earth are kind of like the real iconic Attenborough shows, aren't they? Where you feel he is driving it to some extent, and he is, you know, his narration is completely key, and he's there at the beginning on a boat introducing the whole thing. Mm. So it feels like a much more iconic thing these series. And so I think this is going to be a ginormous phenomenon. Oh, it's going to be hit. Yeah. Any show that has shows bottlenose dolphins surfing yes. just for the sheer damn pleasure of it. Yes. There's no reason they're not doing it for yes. survival anything like that. They just like to surf in the South African um seas. It's, it's amazing. And the tusk fish? Yeah. Using an anvil to open clams. Basically it's like a, t- a fish in discovering how to use tools. You know the beginning, have you seen 2001 Space Odyssey? No. 2001 Space Odyssey, the classic film, going off a slight tangent, the whole like first 25 minutes, half an hour of that, is set in, set in um, prehistoric times about apes discovering how to use tools. That's the whole beginning oh of 2000. And then yeah, it yeah. Le- leaps in time forward millennia to a spaceship going around. There's a famous cut, one of the most famous cuts in film history. This is about fish learning yeah. to use tool in the middle of Blue Planet. It is unbelievable. Basically just smashing a clam against a rock. It is absolutely extraordinary. There's um, the whole killer whales thing, battling with the dolphins. That's it. There's yeah, ex- I was a bit, I thought it was going to be a dolphin snuff movie. I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, there is there is fish-based, watery, oceanic violence, yeah. you have to say. There, there is. You have to be prepared for that. But listen, the, I think the most incredible moment was a female... Yes, I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Kabodai Rase? Kabodai Rase, yes, yes, obviously. Obviously, sorry. Which um, is a fish in the sea, and it just changes sex purely to challenge a male um, and his harem of female fish. So it actually changes sex. So um, certain enzymes in it stop working, and male hormones start circulating in its body, and it grows this horrendous bulbous forehead, and it just becomes a man. Yeah. Like all men with their horrendous yeah. bulbous foreheads. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't want to bring up your bulbous forehead, <laughs> yeah. John, but yeah, um, yeah it was, it's just it's in, absolutely incredible. And the thing I loved most about it is that they did that this thing, which they have done in previous documentaries of his, where they spend the last 10 minutes yes. just showing what goes into the making yep. of it. Yep. And this... Yeah, so you see at the end of it... Um, you know that one of the cameramen had. I think was the camera filming the surfing dolphins. Had to yeah, go all like the way, and he was then, riding twenty foot waves. Yeah, but also he goes out one day all the way, and it's quite obviously dangerous going out in the middle of the ocean. There's nothing happened. <laughs> There's not, none of them. They're just not there. None, no dolphins at all. They're all they're all having they're all just sleeping or whatever. Yeah. And then he has to go out the next day, and it's too. The sea is so violent, and the waves are so big that he that he nearly gets thrown off his thing that he's travelling on with the camera. It's terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. And then finally they get. Everything they did, the, the, the waves are just high enough for the dolphins to surf, and he gets to film it, and yeah. it is it is incredible, magical, isn't it, Kay? It's absolutely magical, and I think we owe a debt of gratitude to uh, Sir Attenborough and also all of his amazing team. <laughs> Sir <Because> Attenborough, on- <laughs> David. <laughs> yeah, Sir David Attenborough. Because otherwise, I mean, like, how would we? I I don't know about you, but no. I, you know, I never planned to. I mean, I can't really swim, so that's why I wouldn't be exploring. You cannot the ocean. swim. No. Okay. Steph's tried to teach me many times and failed, but mm. anyway, this is the only way I'd get to explore. So. Yeah, maybe Sir David Attenborough before he retires could fit you in. One more challenge, Sir yeah. David. <laughs> Blue Planet Two, K learns to swim. Could be there. <laughs> Everyone tune in for that, surely. Um, I wonder how many stars this is going to get. Oh, I don't know. I mean, this is kind of like so, it deserves so many stars. It's, it's off the scale, isn't it? This I know. Is a six All star. the stars. It's the golden stars. I'm it's like if you stars. don't. I think I said in my preview in Heat magazine. If this is, you know, if you don't watch this, then what's what's the matter with You're you? You're stupid. You're so yeah, even John, stupid. who's not watched any of these classic yeah. TV series, should be sitting down. John, are you going to watch it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> BBC One, next Sunday, 29th of October at 8pm. That's when you should be sitting in front of your television and watching it. And it's five stars from all of us. It's five stars from all of us. And it's going to look particularly good in HD on my 78-inch oh, television. God. You're such a, look, poor, poor John's got a cardboard box <laughs> and you're going on about your HD. Well, you know, I just wanted to make, mention. Okay. It is made for Great. the HD. Good for you, Boydo. I'm happy for yeah. you. And the music is by Hans Zimmer, the, by the way. The music is brilliant. One of the great film composers of our time. Mm. Let's move on to, in sharp contrast, as we have to say, <laughs> Living the Dream, which is on which Sky One. Which we're very much doing right now, Boydo. We are, always, every week. Sky One slash Now TV, um, starting next Thursday, the 2nd of November, at 9pm. Shall I describe this? Yes. Considering you did a very good job of, a bang-up job, Kay, of <laughs> doing, describing Blue Planet 2. This is a comedy drama... From the makers of Cold Feet, and it stars Philip Glenister and Leslie Sharp, two of our finest actors working today as a married couple, Mal and Jen, and they've got two kids, kind of teenagerish kids, and they decide to up 
roots from their rainy Yorkshire world to move to Florida and to manage a trailer park. So somehow um, he, Philip Lannister's character, has been told, yeah, you know, this is an easy thing. You get you send a brochure for a trailer park in Florida. It's all sunny and lovely, and those are families hanging out, you know, having barbecues and swimming in the pool. And he just has to take over the management of it. It's all going to be great. What could be simpler? What could be simpler? Um, well... It's not mm. quite as he expected. The trailer park turns out to be this complete shithole, basically, mm. and full of full of really terrifying redneck type dudes. Families aren't kids aren't allowed. There's loads of handwritten signs. One of park. the funny <laughs> things saying it's an adults only park. So they don't want all these like womanizing dudes. Don't want any kids interfering. And there's loads of handwritten signs saying uh, adults only, kids not allowed, which is quite funny. So it's all about how you know it's like fish out fishes out of water. Mm. Um, dealing with the culture, cultural change moving to from Britain to America, and particularly this world of Florida with lots of retired people and lots of very glamorous people, glamorous Americans. And I, and I, I very much enjoyed it. I mean, I do really like... I'm a huge fan of Leslie Sharp. Let me say right now, she is, for me, one of the greats of acting wow. of recent years. She, you know, everything Boyd is she using does, two hands to gesticulate how great he thinks she is. I am using two hands, yeah, sorry. Um, so for me, it's like anything she does, I'm, I'm immediately, I'm biased about and I'm immediately drawn to and, and she's fantastic in this. And what particularly I liked about it was that the depiction of the married couple, mm. so it sounds a bit cliched, everything about it sounds a bit stereotyped, and there are, and it definitely has stereotypes and it cliches does. in it. But let me just quickly say this yeah, before you hold forth. I know you're, you're champing, you're <laughs> champing at that bit. Let me just say what I really liked about it was I thought the depiction of the married couple was very believable and didn't sink into cliches. So you think, oh, he's the doofus who's got everything wrong and she's going to be berating him. But she's kind of deals with him very well. And it's all about how do you deal yeah. with a doofus of a husband? And she's like, uh, he knows that she's much cleverer than he is and much more organised. And how does he deal with that? And I thought it was very well done, that whole, that do whole dynamic. you know really funny, right? I really enjoyed that bit as well. Right. Um, because, you know, it could have just gone down the well-trodden route of he does this stupid thing, she goes mental, yeah. you know, the usual. But, so I was really happy it didn't go down that road. But having said that, I just think there was one moment when um, he'd done something. Like, obviously, he'd realised he'd bought this kind of, as Boyd said, shit of a park. Yeah. Um, and um, she was just kind of like, she was like, oh, well, you know, I love a project. And like, um, you know, just, I don't know. I think she would have gone a bit more batshit crazy than she did. Just a little bit. Because I don't think it would be ah. just as easy. Like, I like the fact that she didn't yeah. go crazy, crazy, no, crazy. Indeed. And I didn't want her to do that. No. But I just think, you know just kind of like patting him on the shoulder and saying, oh, I love you and kissing him. I just don't know if a, a wife or a girlfriend, if someone had invested all their money in a um, trailer trash park <laughs> would be saying that. Oh, no, I believed it because I just thought, you know, she's the, it's such a big thing, isn't it? You've moved your entire life and family yeah. to Florida and you've got to make it work, really. I think that's the underlying thing. Absolutely. So I think her, her it's like, we've got to, I've, got to, I've Listen, got to be sensible. Absolutely. I would obviously do that as well, but there'll be at least one day in that doghouse. Just yeah. one day sleep over in the doghouse. No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm sticking okay. with my point. I think it's believable. I think it okay. doesn't always try to not slip in. I mean, it gets, it gets very quite slapsticky towards the end of the episode because mm. there's like crocodiles roaming around. <laughs> he has to wrestle, and everything goes horribly wrong. Everything sets fire to things, and it's all it all builds to a suitably kind of ridiculous climax. But I, I thought it was. I thought I really liked it, and I, and I thought the kids were good. I believe. I thought the kids them. were good. I actually really when it first started, I was like, because there's a character, there's a neighbour called I think is it Rhoda or something. She's like this this kind of OTT American like yeah. neighbour who I just didn't like and I was like oh god it's just going to tick all the cliches the whole thing's going to be like a bit of a nightmare and Leslie Sharp really saved it for me because I was like no she's yeah. really good and then consequently I started to actually find myself laughing along and thinking oh you know what I, it's quite fun and it's like it's enjoyable it's not yeah it's not going to get any best drama awards, but it's... No, it's not going to change the world no. of television. But I think it's a good... I think it's like indicative a little bit of, of Sky because it feels... They've had a few very pleasant um, kind of comedy dramas. Comedy drama is a hard thing to do. I, said, I think I said mm. this about Cold Feet. I think yeah, I yeah. went on about this. Because <laughs> it's got to be funny and it's got to, got to be interesting in the characters and there's got to be dramatic situations. And they've had a few attempts, I think, on Sky, which haven't been... They've been great. Been, sorry, they've been nice mm. and enjoyable. I think this is a bit of a like step what? up in that genre. I'm not going to name names. Oh, what? Um, I can't remember the names, partly. Like, once... I'm talking about, like, five years ago. Okay. You know, the thing they were trying to do was, like, family-friendly comedy drama. Um, like, like, Stella is a good one. Stella was the best one that's just finished. Stella, the last ever episode of Ruth Jones' series. That's a comedy drama, mm. completely, in this mold. And I think this is potentially as good as that. 
whereas they had some that didn't work as well a few years ago. It's hard. Anyway, Living the Dream, how many stars are you giving it, Kay? Three and a half stars. I'm giving it full four. Oh. A solid four. So that's Living the Dream. It's a six-parter. It's on Sky One and Now TV next Thursday, the 2nd of November at 9 o'clock. And at this point, Kay... <gasps> Tragically, no. I'm afraid I'm going to have to eject you from the podcast don't, booth. Don't, just because yeah. I don't want to watch Stranger Things. You've never watched Stranger Things. You haven't watched series two of Stranger Things. You just don't deserve a space in this bit of the podcast now. That's, All right. I'm being silly. All right, fine, I'm going. But you are leaving us, and it's and it's a big, wholehearted welcome back to Steph Seelan. I'm here. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm glad Kay's not here because yeah. I, I, I can't talk to her at the moment. No, she's not allowed to be here for the, uh, the Stranger Things review. Do you know anyone else who hasn't watched Stranger Things 1? Well, John. John, our um, guru. Well, you need to leave now. Yeah. Just show us which yeah. buttons to press on the equipment. Just yeah. no, no, seriously, get out. But there's loads of things John hasn't seen, so yeah, okay. it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's part of a whole lack of yeah, TV it just, viewing. The lack of commitment that we is don't outrageous. Wanna, we don't want to encourage. No. So, but you and I, oh. so we should say this now, we are reviewing Stranger Things 2, nine episodes. We've both watched all nine episodes. Yeah. It's drops on Friday. Do you know? Oh, yeah, someone was telling me. Who was it? You're not allowed to say drop anymore. The Netflix people don't encourage drop. Yeah. Why? I don't know. They've What's the new word? It, I don't know, arrive or something? I, someone was telling me that. I, I think it might have been Charlie Brooker. I did a thing with him a couple of weeks ago. Name drop, name drop. Oh, I yeah, see, yeah, I yeah. see. Nicely done. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Stranger Things 2, all nine episodes arrive yeah. on Friday in classic Netflix style. And we're going to try and do a non-spoiler review. Yeah. But I would warn people, if you've never seen it and you're going to watch series one and then series mm-hmm. two... I mean, we just naturally we're going to be talking about. It's like imagine it's like a nine-hour film, or even a, yeah, we do the math, seventeen-hour film, yeah. all, all season one and two together. We're kind of going to review it like that, aren't we? Like, yeah. so we're going to talk about the premise and roughly what's going on at the beginning of season two. But we're for not, example. we're but not going to ruin it. We're not going to ruin it, and we're not going to give away any key elements. So, we're just, but we are going to talk about it in general and generally yeah. what, how, what the, where the characters are, new characters. I think we can talk yeah. about that, yeah, and what we think of it. So, but, if you don't want to know anything, if you want to go in completely cold, yeah. which some people do. Then you know, don't listen to the last I don't think, fifteen minutes. I don't think anyone's going to go. Do you think anyone's going to go Stranger Things two without going Stranger Things one? Though? Oh no, no, no. So I'm more, no, that would be madness. That, uh, that, okay, so let's just say, be, don't do it don't if you're do thinking that, about. No, don't do that. Cretinous, cretinous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's, it's a sequel. It's a proper sequel, isn't it? It's like it. That's the one. The first thing to say about really this series is is I think the you know some season twos. Like they come back years later, or they can be standalone. They can be standalone. You can dip in, dip out. Right, right. Whereas this is completely committed a sequel, proper, yeah. like a film sequel. Things you will not one. understand if you yeah. haven't watched no. series one. No. So don't be stupid, people. Don't. Don't, <laughs> don't be, be foolish. Silly. Don't be silly. Watch season one if you haven't watched season two. Yeah. If you ever watch season one, then you will, you will know what, roughly what we're talking about in season two. So what? I mean, I guess it starts out. You know, season one was all about. The disappearance of this young guy um, and a teenager. W- Will. Will, thank you. He's not a teenager. He's, he's 13, guy. isn't he now? Isn't he 13 now? Now is he, he is. Well, what's the official? They're at middle school, aren't they? What is middle school, actually? Hawkins Middle School is the school they're at. Yeah, they definitely, that's their, age, their okay. age this year. But what's officially a teenager now? Is it 14? Do you think? Yeah, it's 13, 14. It's the cusp. Okay, fine. Yeah, he's a high schooler. Okay. Fair enough, yeah. I've already got something wrong. Called him a teenager. Yeah. He's, not even, he's not even a bloody teenager. Uh, Will, played by Noah Schnapp, he disappeared. Yeah. And effective, if you have season, this is not spoiling it, so we're assuming you've seen season one. Yeah. He ended up in this place called The Upside Down, which is like a parallel dimension, isn't it? I guess is the kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's a parallel dimension, which is just dark and twisted and just full of kind of... Darkness and nothingness, and actual monsters. Yeah, and there there are yeah. monsters. There yeah. are so monsters. There's a thing called the Demogorgon, which was the yeah. kind of main monster. This kind of like a disgusting, slimy thing with a really hideous, big, screamy, mouthy thing yeah. with loads of like teeth. Yeah, in, but in it. it looks a bit like a flower if a flower right. opens. But if a flower yes, was really mean true. and yeah. was going to eat you, yeah, that's true. So there's this there's this horrible creature there, um, very dark. Disturbing things happen. And then there was 11 arrived, this young girl. 
But crucially, yes. like everyone needs a gang of people right. to look out for them. So Will's got this little gang of friends yeah. that go to a middle school. They're all buddies and they're all very concerned about him going missing. And he's also got a very concerned mother played by Winona Ryder and a very concerned older brother, yes. Jonathan, yes. who's wonderful. Yes. And they spent more, most of the first season trying to find him. Yes. Those people, yeah, his peers, his peer group, the gang of three. Yeah. But then Eleven arrived, this mysterious young girl played by Millie Bobby Brown, who's like the breakout. Yeah. Star, I guess, wasn't she? And she had strange powers. And every time she had kind of like powers of um, a bit like in Carrie, you know, when Carrie can mm. physically move things and stop things. When she gets angry, when the powers angry, are even more yeah. intense. It's very Carrie-esque, I felt, yeah. all, all along. Even more so, you might say, in the season mm. two. And she, her nosebleed. She gets a little nosebleed afterwards. And she's, she was also, we, we learned through flashbacks mainly, was was kind of grew up, essentially, in this... In, in a lab. In a lab, in the Hawkins Laboratory, being run by um, weird, spooky spooks, kind of mysterious agents. who Matthew Modine was who played her papa, who basically, they had this horrible relationship where obviously she kind of had a father-daughter relationship with him where actually he was testing her and submerging her in water and trying to get to the upside down. Yeah. Um, but it was just, he was a bad guy. Yeah. And, he, and I guess she was generally considered dangerous because she has these powers. And it's yeah. like, well, you know, if they're human beings, a bit like kind She's of X-Men style. She's a weapon, yeah. She's kind of like a, you know, has these very dangerous powers that other governments might be interested in. That was the kind of implication, wasn't it? That, yeah. You know, maybe if the Russians in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> it's all set in the 80s, of course, the other big thing about it. So it's got this huge, big... Kind of nostalgic quality yeah. to it. Oh, not only when we got Winona Riders as as the mother figure, but you also had loads of eighties songs on the soundtrack, yeah. a very eighties synth style to the original music, and the whole thing felt felt like a kind of. To me, one of the things I loved about it is it felt like a kind of homage summary, to, yeah. homage to Steven Spielberg, Close Encounters, E.T. It's got everything Stand in it. Stand By Me, yeah. Stephen King, all those things kind of melded together into one if joyous whole. Are a, if you are a child of the 80s, I mean, it is literally perfect yeah. for you, isn't it? You're just yeah. going to be... It's it's horribly frightening and also heartwarming at the same time. Yeah. But crucially, the difference with this series is that in the last series where Will went missing and you really don't see a lot of Will no. at all because he was missing for the whole of the first series and the other person that goes missing in the Upside Down is... Barb. Yes, famously. Famously, Barb goes missing, okay? And that was a big thing that everybody really, really took hold of that, didn't they? Yeah. Justice for Hashtag Bob. justice yeah. for Barb. But in this series, Will mm. features heavily. Yeah, he is back. the main guy. Yeah, so the whole... So the whole where are they now? So it's 1984 now, and, you, and you're reminded of that with uh, this election going on. Yeah, There's, Reagan um, Bush. Reagan Bush, Mondale, Walter Mondale was the mm -hmm. terrible Democratic candidate. And... Um, He's back in the in the, in, in the bosom of the community of Hawkins yeah. community, but he's, he's still disturbed, isn't he? He's having visions. Well, if you remember at the end of the at the final scene of last season, he is in the bathroom and he coughs yes. and splutters, and then some black nastiness creeps yeah. out of his mouth. Right, exactly. So. Yeah. So there's something something's happened to him when he was in the Upside Down. He's mm -hmm. been infected somehow, and a lot a large part of this series is kind of what does that mean? What what are, what are the visions he's having? What effect has the whole experience of being in the Upside Down for so long had on him? And that's a huge part of it. And he, he as you say, he's kind of mm. hugely featured. It's all about what is happening to him. And is and is it what's the effect of that going to be on the rest of the town, his friends, and all of that? Yeah. Similarly, now here's, I'm going to tread lightly about okay, 11. Okay, tread, li tread very because, lightly. But, but luckily, because one of the big things was she was presumed, she went off to rescue him, but as a result ended up in the Upside Down. Broken into a thousand pieces. Broken into a thousand pieces. Mm. And, and presumably, you know, we presume, no, what's happened to her? She could have died. She could yep. have disappeared forever, trapped in upside down forever. They completely deal with what happens yep. to her, and she is in. I think we can safely say this. With we that. can she's say in she's this in series it. throughout. She is. But what happens to her is fascinating. It's another and sub story. Isn't it's a it? whole sub story. Mm. She's what her situation is. Yeah. I, mean, I definitely think we shouldn't reveal that. But, no, absolutely not. But she's completely. It, I think for me, having watched all nine episodes, yeah, and thinking about the um the power of it it's definitely for me like the two key things are her yeah. 11 yeah. and him um will and it, what ha what's happening to both of them simultaneously yeah. kind of different but connected and you see her interrelationships her kind of 
you know, a relationship with various adults mm. and a relationship with, 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 the, with the boys. Because also you have to remember that she had this, he had a relationship with the, the boys, his gang of yeah. boys, and she had a relationship, yeah. but never the two, the two no. shall meet because she didn't actually meet Will. Exactly. And she, and she may or may not meet Will in this season. Right. Exactly. We cannot confirm or deny. No. no. Meanwhile, I wanted to mention that um, we know that Will's mum, Joyce, who spent the entire first season in a state of high distress. Yes. Literally, every, pretty much every scene yeah. that, that she had to do yeah. that we know was, was either crying or yeah. screaming or just in a state of... Because a, a young boy disappeared. Yeah. And she didn't know what... And she was trying to get messages from him from the other dimension. In this, she's much happier. It was back, thank God. She, and she's having a relationship. She She's able... She has... A, there are a few scenes where she is actually happy, but there is also a lot of distress for her in this. Uh, sure, in... But, but initially, most importantly, we, are we going to say who the person who's yes. making her happy? The person who's making her happy is Sean Astin, who plays Bob. Yes. Now, again, if you're a child of the 80s, oh, exactly. Goonies, hello, yeah. this is amazing. Mm. And also, let's just talk about the other role. Now, yeah. Will is being treated in a lab with his post-traumatic stress disorder by... The great Paul Reiser. Yeah, Dr. Owens, who's the doctor. And he's like the new, um, the guy, instead of Papa, the, yeah. the, the disturbing figure uh, of series one, who was the main guy running the lab, mm-hmm. who was really awful. This guy, we're not quite sure. He seems nice. We don't know. He we seems don't know. Right. That's one of the big mysteries of the yeah. series, which, which again, we should just park there. But he's just park key. It. But the big new stars, yeah, Sean Astin and Paul Reiser, both really 80s, iconic 80s figures, aren't they? Inmates? And the that, other. That just add to that warm feeling of yeah. like, but you, when you watch this, you just think, oh, God, I'm home. Yeah. I'm just home. And then finally, just setting up the, the, what we're going to explain about what's happening is there's new characters, the main two young characters, who yeah. I think are absolutely phenomenal again. Yeah are Billy and Max. Now, Billy is this really nasty teen oh, He's a nasty bastard. Jock. He's your classic... Be- it's almost like he's there and he's like showing that actually... Um, like Steve, who was in that love triangle, wasn't he, with Jonathan and Nancy. Mm. Jonathan, um, uh, the brother. Of Will, and, yeah, of Will. older brother of Will. And Jonathan, there was this always kind of unspoken um, uh, attraction going on. Yeah. But she was actually going out with Steve and he was the big... Humpy, he's the jock. Big hair, yeah. jock. But now he is, he's been completely oh. blown out of the water jock-wise by yeah. this new character. And hair-wise, maybe. And hair-wise, yeah. And this oh. dude is extraordinary, isn't he? Billy, played by Dacre Montgomery. Oh, the mullet on it is just Incredible unbelievable. Mullet, blonde mullet. And he also struts around most of the series with his shirt open yeah. to the waist, showing his pecs. I mean, he's pretty um, much... I know, but yeah. he, he's gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, love. I mean, the mullet aside, he's got a lovely face on him. But not a nice him. guy. Hor- horrendous, horrendous guy. Figure. And his stepsister is a key new character, Max, played by Sadie Sink, who's and, and she wants to join the gang. The gang feel like she's a skateboarder, she's a cool, yeah. and she's a bit of an outsider like they are. And she's kind of like half in, half out of the gang, isn't she? Yeah. She's a fascinating figure, I think. Yeah, she's brilliant. Brilliant addition. So what is it? So... Let's, let's, let's say what let's we think. Not spoil it, <laughs> let's but not say spoil it, but say what we think. It. For me, I absolutely, I was just so happy to see every single one of them. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I think the Duffer Brothers have done an amazing job at continuing a story, but making it completely fascinating. Like, I watched the whole nine episodes, as you know, because I texted you. I watched basically six on Saturday and then three on Sunday morning. And I just... Loved it. I loved it. I think it's perfect. I really, I felt like there was more music in it this time, which I really, really liked. But I no have music, to say, yeah. what I really loved is their, the little subplots throughout and the mm. little relationships between different characters um, really made it perfect for me. I love Dustin, who's, if you remember, he's the curly haired guy who wears the cap. He's kind of the, you know, the really cute, yeah, but cute one. Yeah, so, yeah. He, like, the little the little chats that he has with his mom, um, the li- just the little the little intermingling between characters that didn't necessarily talk to each other so much yeah. in the first series, yeah. it just is perfect. And he has a we can say can we say he has a little creature, a little he discovers a little creature in his bin. I think we can say. That. Okay, and yeah, he, he discovers it. He dis- has it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. he discovers a little creature in his bin, and that yeah. what is that little that, creature? Is yeah, the key, is the it's key. very cute. It's very cute. Um, yeah, I agree. I think because the first series. I mean, I'm trying to list all the things that were incredible about the first series okay. for me. 
I wrote a review of it in Heat Magazine, which com- comes out today, this se- season two, and I began it by saying that f- the first series for me felt like it'd be made, especially for me, because I grew up, yeah. I am of an age where I grew up watching these things in the 80s. You know, I was watching mm. Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. and all those things, all those Steven Spielberg things. The f- thanks. <laughs> the first series is basically like an eight-hour homage to Steven yeah. Spielberg with yeah. quite a lot of Stephen King. And why not? In. And why not? So... You know, I was incred- I was absolutely, I couldn't believe it when this whole thing became yeah. a massive pop culture phenomenon that, that it became and that everyone else loved it as well. But that's because it was also incredibly um, funny. Like the yeah. relationships between the kids were, were brilliantly observed and very funny and real. Yeah. You saw these, they swear and they, they talk but about stuff they're not supposed to talk that's, about. That's the brilliant thing. Like it's so weird. When I was watching it, I was thinking they're so bloody clever Netflix because what they've done <laughs> is they've, they've, brought this out and who who does it appeal to it appeals to this all of these people who love to binge box sets and what age were those people in the 80s those you know those are the, all these things that these yeah. people love they, they're yeah. all the people now that are binging stuff right. on netflix and it's perfect yeah but i think also but what i was going to say beyond that is i think it appeal, appeals to a huge array of people because yeah. I think teenagers are going to identify with the teenagers i'm calling them teenagers in the in in the show because they're so brilliantly the depicted, pre-teens the, whatever they are because <laughs> they swear and they, yeah. they fall in love and yeah. you know all of that is dealt with in a brilliantly believable realistic way yeah. the way they speak and they're so smart and it's a celebration of the outsider particularly this is the thing yeah. there's a brilliant line I think it's in episode one mm. where Charlie Heaton talks to his brother that, who's come back from oh yeah he's in episode one and he says and his brother's been called a freak by all, all the schoolmates and he says yeah you are a freak you should be proud of being a freak David Bowie's a freak yeah and that was like a brilliant little yeah who would you, would you who would you rather be rather David be? Bowie or Kenny Rogers or Kenny Rogers yeah. exactly everyone wants to be David Bowie yeah. so it's a celebration of the outsider and of freaks mm. in life which I think is brilliant and that's they're all the way through kind of as a yeah. big, big theme of it and also it is as I was saying funny that the, the that those characters are brilliantly funny it can go from the the, the funniness yeah and it is genuinely scary like when it wants to be scary it really it is, ramps it, it up it really is frightening so it really is frightening when it, I mean I, I wasn't that it, there wasn't that much that was frightening I think for me in about the first half of almost of the no, series no but in the second in half the second you're half. like you, there are certainly bits where you go oh god no please no oh no like Sorry, exactly like that. Steph did just scream. But you'll do it as well, so Steph you'll understand. Just screamed at the top of her voice, but I'm sure. Um, but isn't that what you were doing, Boyd? John, John will be able to turn it down a little bit, so it's not. <laughs> it's you know, true. Deaf and people. I'm just warning. Yeah, you. It, but it's properly scary. It's funny, and it's incredibly um, lovable. There's like yeah, it's very it emotionally lovable. engaging because you really care about the relationships. You really care yeah. about Eleven, and is, is she going to? Can she live a normal life? Yeah. Can she, you know, with all, how are people going to deal with her? You really care about. Um, I mean, I think Will. You know, because we didn't see much of him, as you say. Oh, this, what, the, the performance. I know his performance is what the stuff he has to go through. Oh my god! Do you know what I had? I had assumed, and this is probably incredibly foolish. I thought they've got him to play Will in the first season, yeah, because he doesn't do that much acting in it, yeah. and actually, maybe he's the weak link out of right. that group of boys. Yeah, okay, think, yeah. and I had assumed that because he's very cute looking, but I thought, oh, he hasn't really acted very much in this. He owns this season yeah. and he is a brilliant little yeah. actor. And actually, the, the guy who plays um, Little Mike, who was uh, obviously he dominated the first season because he was the one looking after Eleven. Finn Wolfhard. Oh, equally brilliant. Yeah. But I was really, really pleasantly surprised at how amazing yeah, that I, little. Exactly. Yeah, he was Noah great. Schnapp. So he is phenomenal. And he's genuine. That's the other thing we should say is that, you know, the people that are playing this age are that age. So are he's they? 13 yeah. years old. Noah Schnapp, who, without wanting to give anything away, has to go through extraordinary things yeah. in, in this Great series. physical acting everything, as well. Yeah. Everything, it's yeah. everything. Um, is unbelievably brilliant. 13, I genuinely am awestruck as to how mm. the directors, it's got, apart from the Duffer Brothers, Duffer Brothers yeah. there's lots of different Because they've got different directors, yeah. yeah. lots of different directors and writers throughout the series. Nine yeah. episodes, there's a lot to deal with. Yeah. And it's, it's a each lot episode, on. it is a nine-hour film. And, um, yeah, how brilliant he is. And a 13-year-old just has to mm. cope with everything and equally uh, Millie Bobby Brown even more than series one yeah. has to go through all of these extremes of emotions mm. they put through and she's again phenomenal I think mm. she's only 13 still yeah, it's ridiculous so it's, isn't it, it I think crazy talent I genuinely think this time next year or, no, or next year when they do the Emmys they're going to have to nominate these people and they're going to have to win yeah. proper acting performances because they're not just they're not just an ensemble cast yeah, no, no doing, you're, I you know, agree Winona Ryder they're holding their, themselves up yeah. in, in the company of Winona Ryder so, but anyway bottom line is is it as good as season one? Because season one, let's face it, is the pop cultural phenomenon of yeah. all of Netflix. It's, you know, even beyond what the other thing, you know, House of Cards yeah. and Orange is the New Black. Yeah. This is the show that's yeah. hit home, punched through. Everyone's obsessed mm. with it. 
Is it as good as season one? I think yes. My reasoning for this is because actually you left that series wanting to know more about those characters and particularly Hopper, who was the police chief, you really get to know him more and actually you really get to know more of everyone's emotions and why wouldn't you? And I just, they, they standard is still brilliant. I thought the special effects were amazing actually um, yeah. in this season yeah. and yeah, they've managed to keep that magic that I just think it's, I think if you loved Strange Things, one, I don't. I cannot see you having a problem with this in any way whatsoever. I know you had a slight issue with one of the episodes, well, didn't you, boys? Yeah, but I had a slight issue with some one or two of the episodes in season one. There's one right. episode again, without giving anything away, that takes you out of the general. So all the way through nine episodes, pretty much, it's cross-cutting between all the different characters and the different subplots. There's one episode without. I don't want to give anything away. It takes you out of Hawking. Seven takes you exactly yeah. takes you out of the small town and into something else and it follows one character's um, journey if you like mm. and focuses completely on that character and I felt I didn't quite like that whole world mm. it, uh, it just took me out of it a bit so it's a minor it's a minor gripe yeah. it's a small gripe and in fact right at the beginning of this series it shows you this other world it's to, to, to set it up to yeah, set it up yeah, that it episode does. but apart from that I think it is better I think it's I, I you think it's it, better. Yeah, because I think it goes deeper. It does go deeper. And I think now, and it's one of those things where now we know the characters yeah. so well, you, it's it's making them more believable. You know, you kind of feel you really know them, like the, particularly yeah. the kids, you know. You, and, you kn- it, how, and I, I was just inc- amazed by how brilliantly drawn, particularly like Max, the new, the new yeah, kid. She's, she's so good, good, that character. And, they, and the, for the writers and directors to kind of almost effortlessly introduce a, another new teenage character. Mm. And, it, and it's important because she is a girl and obviously this the gang of three or four kids, boys, was kind of like, even with 11, it felt a bit like a celebration yeah. of boys, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's very clever they've brought in this girl yeah. and how they react to her and how she deals with them is brilliantly realistic. So apart mm. from anything else, it's about like teenage yeah. interrelationships and growing up and how you deal like with all that. It's got like Ferris Bueller, so Pretty in Pink, it's, so, it's got everything in it. So for me, it deepened the themes and it deepened the characters and I think yeah. it's even better than series one. I Did just, you yeah. Find yourself though watching these because I did, being a child of the eighties, thinking, "Oh God, I hope when all these lot grow up, they don't get, you know, they all have good careers." Because like, I don't yeah. know, I was just like picturing their future. Yeah. Well, already Finn Wolfhard was in it. Tim was brilliant in it. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, I haven't I think seen Millie that. Millie Robbie okay. Brown's going to be in the next um, King Kong film, so I think they're okay. already. I think they will. I hope I think, so. I hope mean, they get looked after. Yeah, but my, I kept. I sat there thinking they've got to do season three. I think they are. I think uh, they're shooting it, season and three. And we should say, it, there is a possibility to do season three. Oh, the I way think, that this ends, I think season three. Okay, Absolute, is that all right? That's yeah. not spoiler fine. Confirmed, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't all die, as I say okay. every week. About the, there is but, some death though. Yeah, but they don't all die. Yeah, and, okay. but, and what I'm saying is, is that for me. I'm, I think they have to shoot season three really quickly because you don't want those kids to grow up too quickly. Do you know. want them to stay in this because level? Because there is of... a few, there is a few scenes where Millie Boy Brown is walking and she's just as tall as some other people who are a bit like, oh yeah. no, this yeah. has all gone a bit wrong. Yeah. And I'm sure they're aware of it. I'm sure they'll be yeah. shooting season three any, any day now. How many stars are we going to give? I, I, if we give two? it anything less than five, we'd yeah. be idiots. I was so pleased how brilliant. Yeah, it was, me yeah. too. It's five. We're five pleased. Stars. We're pleased. Well done, the Duff Brothers. Thrilled. We're very happy. It's a triumph all round. Yeah. Nine episodes. Friday. Try and just watch one if you can, but you will not. You'll have to watch all nine. It's the greatest treat you could possibly wish for this Halloween, isn't uh, it? it absolutely, do you yeah. know what that is? Absolutely what it is. It's a, it's, it's a binge. And you know what? Because it is a classic binge. Oh, it is a classic because binge. because you've been off away from right. the, the bloody podcast yeah. doing your own thing. I know. Unbelievable. Wherever it is. You've been binging on stuff. So we thought, right. so it's time for question Question time. time. So, right. What is your favourite? The question is, oh, go on. what is your favourite binge? Right. Now, you know when you think you can watch too much television? I can tell you, you can't. Okay, because I decided, so I've had two weeks away, and I decided that I would use that time to watch some TV. Um, And I decided to watch Breaking Bad from, from the first series... Well, that's of course one of the shows that um, that John hasn't seen. It was revealed early in the early on in the podcast. John, yeah, yeah. I was a you. Yeah, I was a you, and now I'm better than you because I've watched Breaking Bad. Now, five seasons of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Okay, is that ten episodes a season? No, no, no. no. There's fourteen. Oh, okay, God. I okay, yeah. the, I don't wow. even want to calculate how many hours that is, but it's a lot of hours. Now, I have to say, <laughs> at various points, I nearly gave up because. It's a bit relentless when you keep like I just yeah. thought, oh, I can't take any more of him turning into Heisenberg. But <laughs> what it had, but then what I did is I fell into a big hole of Wikipediaing everything that those two have ever said to each about each other. Um, Aaron, Aaron Paul, and what's his face? Why well, can't I remember his name? Brian, Brian Cranston. Cranston. 
and now I'm deeply in love with their relationship. But mm. Aaron Paul, now I understand what all the fuss is about because he is obviously incredible. Yeah, yeah. So that was a huge binge. Well, the, so one minute, let's just clarify this. You yeah. watched the entire yeah. Breaking Bad 60-something yeah. yeah. episodes in, yeah. in, a, in a week, effectively. In two or, weeks. Because, two, hold okay. on, I had oh, other yeah, things two, to watch. Yeah, so I also okay. watched, binged the whole of Mindhunter, yeah. which oh, is yeah. Netflix, available on Netflix now. Yeah. Excellent. FBI, the start yeah. of the whole uh, FBI profiling. Yeah. Have you finished that? Yeah, we dealt with that at the beginning of the podcast. I've, right. I've done it That's as fine. well. And I finished Insecure, season two. Yeah. I, I was not happy with the ending of that. Okay. But these are your great... What's your, I'm going to pin you down oh, to what's your, great, oh, yeah, your best one, your favourite. This is question oh. time. This isn't, this isn't, you know, you just holding forth. Me just telling you what I've done, been doing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm, God, I'm fascinated, but you've got to pin it down. I've been off for a week, so I forgot on... Right. My greatest box set binge ever. Oh, Damages, first season, oh, Glenn Close, okay. 100%. Have okay. you watched Damages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I gave up after... There was about three or four seasons, weren't there? Yeah, there were four seasons of Damages. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, I, I think there's not been five, actually. You have really? No. Oh, God, why? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, oh. I'll remedy that, yes. I feel like not even asking you, but... I will. What's yours? Well, I was thinking about this quite seriously. I was thinking, what does it mean, you know, to, to, to what, what's your favourite? And I was thinking about the experience of binge watching yeah. stuff. You know, it's, been, it's become a cliche, hasn't it? But I was thinking, of what is the actual thing that has been on, um, that have been all available in one go in that yeah. style, as Netflix have kind yeah. of made their own, even though, of course, people have been doing it for years, yeah. actually. Um, and I, I've narrowed it down to the night of. The, the oh, actual I did experience. that as a binge. Yeah, because so yeah. Sky... Cause Sky Slash Now TV, they waited when the night of was an HBO show, um, the Riz Ahmed show mm, about mm. what you know him had he killed this this woman that he ended up next to slaughtered in bed yeah. after one night bumping into her, and it was an incredible, brilliant American crime story slash just in yeah. looking look into prejudice and all of that, and um, yeah, I think it was eight episodes, eight mm. hours, and Sky brilliantly waited until all the episodes had gone out in America so they could present it. In one go, if you wanted to watch uh, it in one go, and I did watch it in one go. Yeah, and it was I did incredibly riveting, and that was my that's the one that sticks out as the actual experience of me going, oh, right, mm. I'm going to watch all of this in one go, pretty much, in an eight hour thing, and it did not let me down, and I thought it was unbelievably brilliant, and my favourite thing of that year. So it's the night off. Yeah. Do you know what though? It's so funny you say about the whole binging thing because I was thinking about this yesterday once I'd finished uh, Strange Things two, and I really wanted to like tweet and say, oh yeah, I've just finished Stranger Things two, but really what that's that saying is. I have got nothing else better to do. And actually, I should just get outside. Steph, there's no, never be, ever be guilty or ashamed. I did, I did. Never I feel shame it. But do you know what? Binge, also, binge. I'd watch, I have, I have literally probably watched, I mean, I want to say 700 hours of television over the last two weeks. I'm impressed by the Breaking Bad or the entirety of Breaking Bad. I also watch Law and Order, um, oh, True Crime, the Menendez Brothers. Oh, it's great. That is also on Sky at the moment. If you should get, you should How catch many that. Is that. Well, there's one. There's one left. Actually, I've done four, so okay. it's the final one. Yeah, but it's got um, what's her name from Sopranos? What's that actress? Blonde actress. I don't know. You're just, you do. You are just listening. Who plays his wife? Sorry, I know. The, uh, this is like Steph's question time. Yeah. Case Poor John's good job. Kay's not here. She'll be furious. Um, right. Anyway, yes, but the bottom line is. The Stranger night of. Things, the night of. The bottom line is Stranger Things is one of the greatest. Stranger Things is amazing. The night of is amazing. <laughs> Damage's first season is amazing. And as are all the other things that we've mentioned. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and we'll be back next week to talk about uh, more incredible popular culture and television. We it's will goodbye be. from me. It's a goodbye <laughs> from me. Thanks. <laughs>